I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched The Triplets of Belleville. This film is an international co-production among companies in France, Belgium, Canada, and the United Kingdom. Who would like to do a brief spoiler-free plot synopsis for it? I can try if you want. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, the intro starts with a old-time, like, 30s performance of the Triplets of Belleville, as well as some other notable people of the time, Josephine Baker, Fred Astaire, and it transitions to a grandmother and a grandson watching this performance. The... Uh, grandmother sees that maybe the grandson's interested and she like pulls out this piano or uncovers the piano that she had. He doesn't seem interested. And this goes on with a few other things, a puppy, a train set until she learns that he is interested in bicycles. Time goes on and we see that the son is training or training as a cyclist. And she, the grandmother, the boy's champion, the grandmother, uh, Madame Sousa, I think. I think I'll just still call her grandmother. She's helping him train the dog. They still have the dog, uh, Bruno. So, so yeah, there's the cast. The Tour de France is, is happening. The boy champion is in it. Uh, she, you know, following him in a, in a little, in a truck. Uh, and so as it's going, we see a guy sabotage this truck and, oh, he has a truck that is exactly the same as the one that she is in. So him and his partner take over the for the truck that the grandmother is on in the Tour de France. He picks up some cyclists, including Champion, and all while the grandma's trying to get back to the race and see how her, her grandson is doing. And then she realizes that, oh, there's this truck oh, like my grandson is probably in this truck because his cycle was just on the side of the road. And the truck that she was in was actually called broom something like picking up the straggling cyclers. So that's what she was supposed to be doing. Uh, And so she realizes that the using the scent from the hat that was uh, that she found, Bruno follows the scent to a, a ship the ship is taken away. She follows the ship in a paddle boat that she stole. Uh, <laughs> she rented she, it. She, she paid good it. money for she it. She rented it. After, to rent for 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, she stole it. Yes. <laughs> uh, follows the truck to Belleville, which uh, happens to be where the performers in the beginning of the film are from. And what follows is this bizarre, um, whimsical, dark, but funny... Uh, pursuance, yeah, not it's, it's hard to call it an adventure. Just she is there, she wants to find her grandson, but at some point she hits a dead end, so she just stays to hope, hopefully, find a a trace of him. And uh, and the plot is revealed, and it is so weird and interesting. <laughs> I I think that's good enough. Yeah. yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. What did we think of this movie? 
weird and interesting. Yes. I I don't know if even saying I like it is the right word. I was definitely engaged. I'm definitely Um, glad I watched it. Yes, yes. Yes, it was it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, but it was it was good. There were there were and and I absolutely love some of the characters. Yeah, I don't know if I would rewatch it necessarily, at least not a lot, um but I'm glad I watched it. It is yeah. it's a trip. Uh there's a lot to love in it. Um there's a lot that bothered me in it. It was it was an experience. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I I remember hearing about this way back when when it was under awards consideration. You mean when it was nominated for an Academy Award? Yes, yes. But lost to Finding Nemo. <laughs> uh, um, un, unlike when which one was it that went up? It was the it was another partially it French one. It wasn't April. It was the one with the bear and the mouse. Oh yes. Oh, oh wait, and the little girl. Uh, uh, was it Ernest and Celestine? Yes, yes. that one. <laughs> that was so that good. one was up against like Frozen or something, I think. And we're like, that was definitely better than Frozen. Uh, but <laughs> in this instance, I can understand at least whether or not you want to say one is better than the other. I understand why Finding Nemo would win. Yeah, this one's definitely yes. hard to compare to. Yeah, what people pre- interpret as. Uh, what an animated film is. Yes. It definitely pushes on that definition. Yeah. And I think, yeah. It's I just, think- and it's just so much less digestible. Yeah. I think it's good that it exists. Yes. It is, it's so different. So- yeah. I mean, I, I want more animation like this to exist, not like in this exact style, but I mean, just pushing what stylistically you can do with animation. I love the Disney look, but I don't need everything to be mimicking that. Yeah. Um, and this is definitely not, um, for better or worse, this is doing its own thing and it's fascinating. Yeah. So yes, I'm, I'm glad it exists. It's hard to say, I guess I'd fully recommend it just in terms of, I don't know. I guess I feel like when you recommend something, you want somebody to like it and it's hard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like at least that's where I come from. It's like, oh yeah, this was good. Like you'd like it. I I don't know if I can say like you'd like this. <laughs> I th- I think if you are a fan of animation, you owe it to yourself to watch it. Um, outside of that demographic, I think it just depends on how much weirdness you're willing to put up with. It. I think it's if it's something that you think you could watch. I think you should. Is I guess how I probably feel about it. I think you should try it out. It's fascinating. Let's get specific. The My first note is this big dog I can't. Uh, that is about Bruno. <laughs> that's who not, that's continued, not even in the intro of the film. Exactly. But Bruno is just... He's a good boy. He is. I just I just gotta do a little background real quick. So when he's a puppy and the grandma is just a hoot. Oh my gosh, the grandma is just amazing. But when she's trying to do th- find things that the grandson will like, she has this train, of course, and then Bruno's a puppy. So there's this one scene where where the, the train's going round and round and Bruno is, you know, of course, watching it, but then his tail gets run over by the train. Well, there was a great payoff to that because then years later, you see Bruno's routine is to go up the stairs and every time, oh, 
the, the city has encroached on their little house. In fact, so much so that it's leaning and literally there, the top floor is even with the railroad tracks and trains zoom by there. But Bruno knows the time or knows the clicks and he goes up there and he barks at that train every time it passes. He's got, and then he's he goes got back a downstairs. Yeah. vendetta against trains yes. and I support him. <laughs> I actually, I support trains in general, but like, I love Bruno and I support yeah. him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but Bruno is such a cutie pie. And then the grandmother is just amazing. She yeah. is the best grandma yeah. ever. Oh, so sweet. And, her little, and she with her little whistle. What was it? You know, the little the little sister of the movie that we saw that just Did constantly you blew the whistle? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Digimon. It's just so cute because Kai, yeah, she's Kai, training Kari him kept... and she just has this whistle in her mouth and she's just, she blows it in this rhythm and oh my gosh, it's such a hoot. Yeah. It's almost like a, you know, a cigarette hanging out of someone's mouth, like an animation, <laughs> but instead with her, it's this whistle and then she constantly blows it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, What did we think of the intro though? Because we don't start meeting our principal characters we start meeting the triplets who eventually become principal characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just that 1930s. Well, throwback. a lot of it to me is going to go in how's it hold up, <laughs> but it was a, when I first saw the intro, uh, which again was the show within the show, I was not a fan. I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh. I did really like the triplets, though. They were, um, but a lot of repetitive uh, animation with that, with their singing. But just really good jazzy singing. Really liked the sisters. Didn't like a lot of what else was going on <laughs> in the stage. Yeah, I have not just a note of like, it's, it's uh, they're, you know, mimicking or... Um, emulating old-timey, old-timey animation, classic animation to, you know, reflect the time that it's supposed to be in. Uh, And I'm like, maybe the jokes were to match and exaggerate kind of the comedy of that time. I mean, this movie is really all about exaggeration in a lot of ways. Um, And so that makes sense to me. It's hard to say whether or not there's a commentary going on. But yeah, well, we can discuss it more and has a hold up. But it, there's, the, oh, go ahead. The, I think the other part is that you know, kind of like boardwalk artist or whatever, yeah. caricatures of the people that it's meant to represent. But I don't know immediately offhand who that is. Like initially, the name call, the name dropping that I said was like, oh, I read an article and it's like, this is who it is. This is who it is. Like, oh, okay. But if, but I didn't know that, so I didn't have. I think there's that thread to who they are mimicking. If you don't have that context, it's even more out yeah. there. I, I think. mean, the 1930s is like almost 100 years ago. There's going to be a significant portion of your audience that will not understand the references. Yeah. And, unless they are into that time period. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't either. I had a vague idea of Fred Astaire, but I, I didn't realize... I didn't realize who some of these people were supposed to be. Yeah, and I thought possibly that's who it could be. I don't know if Fred Astaire's, you know, jumped in my head, but I was thinking of one of them, Dean Martin, Fred Astaire. You know, I knew it wasn't Bob Hope because his features are pretty distinguishable. Yeah, yeah. but I think the design of the person was so detailed that it's like, this is somebody. I don't know who it is, though. It. I will say that, story-wise that transition to it's like what is this about you start with that and then you go to this uh you know really sad looking kid and this grandma who's trying real hard yeah um, and we spend quite a bit with them yeah 
um, and and see them as they as they've grown up or whatever. Like it takes a bit for things to happen, but I think it's necessary. I'll, I'll, yeah, like that that build up is important to like understand everything. I think. Yeah, understand the grandma's motivations, her character. Understand. Um, understand, yeah, the lengths that she would go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't, of course, the only backstory you have to, to why it's just the grandmother and grandson is there's a constant poster. And, and that is also possibly why his big interest is bicycles, because there's a poster of a man and a woman, which you can assume are his parents in his room and they're on a bicycle or the mom's on a bicycle and the dad's holding it or something. So that's very possibly why he was so interested in bicycles. But, you know, it's just the grandma is just an amazing character. And again, she's just I love how like she'll try something. She'll give like the train or or try the piano and then she'll just kind of go in the background and kind of peek around the corner and look and see is that going to interest him. So she's not pushing anything on him. She's just, you know, trying just trying to make him happy. I'm trying to find out what what the deal is with the parents, because in terms of the picture, there was something on the the picture, a note from them. I don't know what it said. <laughs> yes. And then I don't know, you know, the story other than with time and it encroaching on the house, uh, why they built, you know, again, the train track, and, you know, and everything right there. But I mean, it literally made the whole top floor of this house um, lean, you know, backwards. And when initially this starts, this little house was kind of like in you know, in the country or, or like in the little suburbs. And it was so pretty and quaint. Um, I like that the triplets apparently come when summoned by the music that they, <laughs> oh, yes. that they sing to. Um, yes. Cause the, the grandmother's just, um, she doesn't have any money to buy herself food or a place to stay when she gets to Belleville, which is a, a big grand city, like New York sort of style. But uh, a big city um and so she's just like hiding out under a bridge with a with a fire and bruno um <laughs> yeah. but she has a, a bicycle wheel and she starts like tapping it to a beat kind of thing and she and she's playing that beat and then the triplets like come out uh around her and start singing to it um, <laughs> yes. and that's how they meet yeah. uh there it's very cute the triplets are, of course, very musical, and so we have their their song in the beginning. We have when we meet them again, they're they're doing that same song, and then the way that she ends up getting more of a lead on where her son is is that the triplets play at a restaurant where um, the mafia guy who kidnapped her son is there to watch the performance or whatever. Um, and the triplets are playing and she's uh, playing with them and they have these like makeshift instruments basically yeah. using a newspaper, a fridge, a um, vacuum cleaner, and then the, the wheel um, that the grandmother was using. And so they're just playing music with that or whatever. Um, and then Bruno sniffs out um, the handkerchief that the mafia guy used to wipe the sweat from the brow of champion the sun earlier um and so that's how they get their lead um but yeah i just enjoy the musicality of the triplets there's uh, another moment briefly um in some of the finale stuff where where they 
do they start singing? But the they get some other people to start singing or whatever their their tune or whatever. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, when we said that this is kind of like gross, weird, or just bizarre. So the another kind of interesting gag is when the grandmother they they take the grandmother in and she goes and lives with them. But then one of the sisters, uh, one of the the triplets goes to get dinner and their dinner is frogs. And the way she fishes, she has this little stool, but she basically puts a bomb, you know, throws a bomb into this little pond or, or, or wherever it is that she's by and it blows up all these frogs. Which she catches in a net and she has an umbrella to, to shield herself. Yes. Yeah. But then the way that they cook these frogs, it's really horrific it's so because gross. there's like, it's like the the mush or, or the things that they make out of it still has all the frogs. And in fact, the first night when they give Bruno his portion, one of the frogs is still alive and comes hopping out and poor Bruno is horrified and backing up from it. And then, then they have like uh, shish kebab frogs and then they have like tadpoles that they, I don't know, fry kind of, kind of like popcorn yeah, yeah. or pop like, it's just really gross. The whole thought of that, but that's, that's their staple. That's, that's what they, they, and, and you see the poor grandmother the first night, she literally just has to close her eyes to eat, but you know, she's, she's not going to be picky. She's got to survive. So I I think one of my favorite things about the story stuff that you, you made me think about is just the way that there will be these setups. And sometimes you don't even know that it's a setup that ends up having payoff later. Like the bomb thing, blowing up the frogs that ends up coming back on finale stuff. Uh, one of my favorites is when the grandmother's in their place, she, uh, one is like trying to find stuff to do. And so at one point she sees the vacuum cleaner and starts trying to use it. But one of the sisters like tells her off and is like, no, no, don't do that. And like pr- puts the vacuum cleaner back over and is like, and it's like kind of petting it. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's weird. And then later, Uh, The grandmother is in her bed and she grabs a newspaper to start trying to read to entertain herself. And and one of the sisters comes over and is like, oh, no, no, no. And takes that, smooths it out, puts there. And you're like, okay, that's really weird. What's with these girls? But then that leads into the performance later. And you see, ah, these are their instruments. The newspaper is an instrument. The vacuum cleaner is an instrument for them. And so was the refrigerator. Because the first night, the grandmother, there were some frogs left over. And she tried to put the frogs... Uh, you know, the plate of frogs in the refrigerator and, and yeah, she yeah, was yeah. shooed away. She was shooed away. But yeah, that's that's that, the first yeah. that's the first triplet sister that came out. She was playing the refrigerator. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's it's good. It, there's there's some really good setups and payoffs or or like I said, where you have the mafia guy wiping the brow of of the grandson. And then later, that's what Bruno sniffs out because it smells like the grandson. Like, yeah, there's just some really good connections there. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, the persistence of the grandmother and we alluded to, but it was the uh, the ship that she saw or I think Bruno sniffed initially that 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 they smuggled her grandson away. Um, then she, you know, you think, how in the world is she going to follow? Because she's just upon this thing. Well, next you see that she's, you know, putting down, you know, this, this coin to rent this, this paddle boat. And again, it says 20 minutes, but there's, there's a big payoff on that at the end too. But also she's just, 
somehow she and the dog are paddling. Oh, in fact, they use the dog when the tire breaks down because their tires, uh, the, the bad guys threw out nails to sabotage the vehicle she was driving. Well, you don't know. I, I don't remember what it was. Oh, they, she gives they obscure the, dog. the wheel for a good while so that you don't know what happened. Yes. And then and and she had given the dog some gum and some things like that. Well, next thing you know, finally, they're they're going, you know, the, the, the vehicle is moving. And that's when they get to the town and and find the other van uh, and, and start following it. But the payoff was Bruno was the wheel. Yes. And so he seemed fine. Yeah, he seemed fine. Mm-hmm. And then the same when the, when the grandmother is, you know, just this teeny grandmother in this big, it almost looked like ocean. I don't know what, what yeah. body of water it was. No, I don't know. Some big she, body of water. Yeah. Big body of water. But she is paddling, and then at some point you see Bruno. He's, like, outside of the boat, but he's pulling it. Oh, those two. They were just quite the little, <laughs> quite yeah. the little duo. For, for voice acting, there wasn't a lot of dialogue. Uh, there wasn't dialogue. a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't exactly, obviously, like Interstellar 555. Uh, five. Um <laughs> <laughs> In in that there is some dialogue and it's not as music driven as that movie was. Um, but there is not a lot of dialogue in this. Mm. Like the majority of it is told without. And I think even if the couple bits that weren't subtitled, even without that, I think most of the story would get through anyways, even if you don't speak the language and there wasn't the translation. Um, like it's... It's mostly told without any need for dialogue. Yeah, the most sound is really her blowing the little whistle and the dog barking are probably the most it, kind of it like... It varies. Like the, There's a lot of sound. There's just not a lot of dialogue. I meant, sorry, the, the closest to dialogue. I just mean as she oh. communicates, I guess the, the most communication going on would be the best way to say that, is her through whistles, um, which comes into play several times, not only training the grandson, but also even... Also directing the gentleman who is driving the vehicle that she's in for the race. He seemed to be really um, annoyed yeah, about it, too. Yeah, she's just constantly doing this He does this not appreciate whistle. the whistle. And then even she's she's doing this whistle in a rhythm for him to change the tire and everything yeah. else. It's so funny. And then, um, and then of course, you know, Bruno barking, you know, does, uh, he does a lot of the barking. But not only at the trains and so forth, but when he is alerted to champion the grandson scent, he barks and all of that. So, so it's that's probably the most consistent dialogue or, or communication throughout throughout the movie. The sisters also they'll make little sounds. Yeah, they make yes. little sounds. So they yeah. they communicate as well in in a in a verbal way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, for the most part, it is not not a ton of dialogue. Yeah. Let's talk some about animation, because I feel like we probably have a lot to say about it. Yes. Uh, the, the most, well, first, the most striking thing is that the way that the movie starts is clearly mimicking 1930s style rubber hose animation. Um, it's not like exact with that, but that's clearly the intent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of the movie stylistically is quite different, uh, kind of sketchy with with its lines and stuff, but I, and pretty hyper detailed backgrounds and stuff too. Um, but I think the most striking aspect of it is probably the character design, which is um, 
exaggerated. Hyper, hyper exaggerated, I would say. Um, yeah, like, it feels like a movie drawn by a caricature artist. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which, which most of the characters aren't based on any particular person. Um, but... They're just, they're just, they're just so exaggerated in their form. Um, Like when the son grows up, he is just this tiny, thin little thing for the most part, except his head's really big and his really big nose and his thighs and legs are really thick because he's a bicyclist. So, and there's just constant like character features and faces and stuff will just be really over the top and exaggerated um often in visually unpleasant to look at ways yes yeah, yeah not not um, many attractive characters but, in this entire movie but a lot a lot of it is is really interesting it informs character in very interesting ways and stuff and it's i mean it's visually different than uh, anything that you normally see in an animated movie that that's for sure Mm-hmm. And the grandmother is probably the most I I I, I venture to say even normal, but the the most the most proportionally regular character. She's she's just this she's little cute. short little thing, and she also has her design is amazing because she has one little leg that's short shorter than the other, so then she has a really tall shoe yeah. on the other and thick shoe on the other foot. And then she's constantly, like, adjusting her glasses because her she has, like, a lazy eye that'll start traveling until she readjusts the glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and her little glasses, like, her little head, but the tops of her glasses are, are flat. So, you know, it's kind of like that, that bottom, and, and then that's kind of, that goes above almost, like, where you see, like, her brow or, or her head, her eye, is her little glasses go to the top. But there's a lot of really exaggerated uh, features, not only in the human, you know, the the, the people and the character, the characters, but in some of the designs, um, some of the building designs, because not only will their initial house is very tall and skinny and just goes up and then. And then, then the city has like the tons of skyscrapers that are just ludicrously tall. The ship that uh, he gets yeah. captured in is like really weirdly tall. Yes, it's yes. it's visually striking. I'll I'll give it that. Yeah, and, and again, some of these portions or uh, proportions are just just kind of blow your mind. You're the like proportions what? of Bruno are perfect. Yeah, <laughs> he's a he's a big boy. He he's is. got really thin little limbs, but yeah, his little, his little. body is round and yes. his face is big and droopy and it's good. Yes. With really yeah. tiny eyes. He's yeah. he's a perfect boy. Yes, yes. And and he can get around even though he can. <laughs> But then, yeah, and so it's it's just really interesting. And like Danica said, the the it's like the background is very very detailed. It's beautifully sketched. It looks very realistic at times, and then there is color to it. But it's very. Uh, the, I feel like they do use color well to kind of set the mood, mm-hmm. uh, and and lighting. You know, in that sense. And I, this is partially animation, and I guess partially just story stuff too. I one of the things that I do like about this movie is that beyond Bruno the dog, kind of our main heroes is is a is a bunch of old ladies. Yes. And that's fine. Like you don't see that often. Yeah. Our our main heroine is a grandmother yes. and then she she makes friends with the the triplets who are all, you know all older ladies too at this point and they 
they work together to accomplish their goals and it's great and I'm very happy for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. it's pretty great. Like that aspect of it is wonderful. Yeah. Like. And they feel, they feel old too. Yes. Well, it's, it's, of, it's of note, like, where they live and how they live. Yes. They were ostensibly famous on the same level as Josephine Baker, Fred Astaire, but in their old age, they're in a home, a disheveled home next to uh, women who do sex work. No, like, you know, aggression or anything between them. They just do do what they do. Uh, they get food by blowing up frogs. They have to find food. They're not, like... They're not living the high life. No. no. They still perform... But, and they are, you know, happy where they live. They, you know, share, share a room. They have, they get entertainment by watching TV. But, but yeah, like that's of note. So, and, and kind of the story um, where, it, yeah, it, it is unlikely for these French mafia people to get taken out by these old women. Yeah, uh, so, they're yeah. they're up against a big force, and it's like, how could they possibly? Yeah, yeah, and can we tell? I think because it's not part of spoilers, what the plot is revealed to be, like yeah. where where the, so the grandson has. We been were taken. very confused for a while yes. about why the cyclists are taken. We see that they're like set up on this thing with immovable bicycles that are turning gears beneath them and there's a big screen in front of them projector showing that makes it kind of look like they're cycling through an area as as the footage plays but we're like for what purpose we we don't we didn't know for a long time but it turns out it's they're basically like a racehorses a, a bunch of mafia people congregate around them and place bets on who's gonna win because there's a little there's a little mechanical thing that like tracks how far ahead one or the other is like i i assume based on how fast they're going and that sort of thing um on their bikes um and that's that's a choice, guys. That's a seems like a lot of effort and and a, a weird. It's a weird thing to to do. It seems and, like and, you could do things that didn't involve kidnapping people, uh, but you know whatever. Yeah, and they are the cyclists are just again they seem to have no mind other than to just ride their bikes. And so they literally are treated just, I mean, you know, just like racehorses, like animals. Uh, the design of the mafia are very interesting because they're just these huge, disproportionate, huge, tall, but it's Those are ahead. The bodyguards, yeah. The, bo- the bodyguards all look the same. Yes. And they're these big, square, tall guys. Yeah, but it, it's like a, a big, tall block of black and then their faces out of it. Yeah. And again, they're and then all the two, like that. Two of those guys will then be like close together and they're just like one big solid black mass. And then when they are with the all of the like mafia leader guys are like a lot shorter and in front of them. So there's just like, so, so like this solid black them. mass of like these two really big guys that look exactly the same. And then a, a short mafia guy who... They they have varying looks. Well, the 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 bodyguards do as well. That kind of match the mafia guy they're attached oh, to. I wasn't even paying so attention for, to that. That's fun though. For one of them, the mafia guy had an eye patch, and his bodyguards <laughs> had eye patches. Oh Amazing. gosh, I, I don't know if I noticed that. that. That's yeah, great. yeah. It, yeah. It's uh, there's the uh, one main pair of of bodyguards and the mafia guy that you see a lot. But when it comes to the like betting time. There's some um, 
some difference that's very uh it's it's funny yeah like comedy based on what the the mafia guys look like yeah whatever they're like primary characteristic that's cute yeah 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 and then horribly like they have you know so they're having these these cyclists you know and there's three on 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 the cycle and they're betting and then like if one of them you know falls off or passes out or yeah you see a little bit before you see a newspaper that's like showing that the mafia's up to some shady stuff and that they're finding like a bodies of of dead cyclists that have been like shot through the head basically um and you're like oh no and then you see one of the three guys that are are doing this race that isn't obviously our our main boy uh he ends up getting too tired and he falls and one of the mafia people executes him and it's it's horrible but it also is a a, a big um oh no they need to like save him soon because he's in mortal peril kind of thing yes yeah yeah that definitely oh also there's a little mouse guy we haven't talked (laughs) about him he's he's short about around the same size as the grandmother um and and he's he's got like kind of a mouse thing going on he's got big ears yeah and he's got like a little nose his nose makes a noise yeah, that sounds like a mouse. Yeah, yeah. And he and funny. he's like the guy who goes underneath the thing the cyclists are on and like maintains that machinery. I think he built it as well. Yeah, probably. But they also allude and show because then the grandmother uh when she when Bruno gets a scent of of something with that, she follows and she follows the little mouse guy and she steals his wallet. And hit, you know, she and steals his jacket. His, his, oh, his that jacket. has his wallet in it. But what you see when she's looking at his wallet is that he was like in Disneyland or somewhere as a little boy. And that, so you realize he's been kidnapped. No. I you don't, don't think, think that's so? it. I don't think you don't he think was that a was boy. Insinuating I that? think he worked there. He learned the mechanics of projection from oh, there. Oh, from working there. Yes. Okay. Disney Imagineering. He knows how ah. to do the, the mechanical stuff. Okay. Yes. I don't okay. think he was kidnapped at all. No, I don't think he was kidnapped. Okay. Uh, but but yes, that's. I think that alludes to how he knows how to make this machine. Right, right, right. Okay. Okay. I just wasn't sure because I thought I saw him next to someone too, but maybe it was just the Disneyland He's that short. I was seeing in the picture. Yeah, yeah. Got no, it, got, it, got it. Mickey was there, but you don't see Mickey. You yeah, see yeah. like okay. a part of Mickey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Insinuating Mickey. Yes, you can't. They can't say he was in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it, true. That's true. It does say Hollywood. Didn't have a different thing in front. I don't think it was Hollywood. It was. Oh. I think they could didn't even use the name Hollywood, but uh, it was some. It's like. It wasn't Bollywood, but it was something like that. Where okay. There was a different mm. letter at Word, the start. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what it was. But something it, went, yes. But yeah. Uh, Animation-wise, so I'm, I'm reading some articles, but but yeah, like there are more references than what we can tell. Oh, I'm sure. Um, the There was a woman on top of a car during the Tour de France yes. playing She seemed like accordion. she was someone specific. Yes, yes. So yeah, I'll, I'll read this article. There are multiple cameos in this energetic set piece, including emblematic jazz guitarist Django Reinhardt, uh, whose dexterity is magnified for comedy purposes. Dancer Josephine Baker appears topless for a few seconds, which was enough to earn the film a PG-13 rating in the U.S. Uh, lastly, entertainer Fred Astaire, animated by Gerard Boulet, is shown having a confrontation with his shoes. This occurrence propelled a Canadian animator working on the film to voice his dissatisfaction, as he believed it was unfair for Fred to lose a fight with his shoes. So there was those three. 
Yeah, the shoes basically ate Fred Astaire. Yes. And then, like, at least all the way up to, like, to his waist. Yes. And then drug him seemingly carcass off the stage. Yes. At least his eyes were closed, so it was a little bit disturbing. <laughs> In terms of discussing um, a, a live-action version of this, it would have a totally different feel because of the amount of, like, just caricature and exaggeration going on here. Um, you could tell the same basic story and you could even tell it with a, like, a, a weird comedy bent, but it's just inherently going to be very different, have a very different feel. Um, they they clearly wanted to do something different and weird with animation, and so taking away the animation element is taking it away from what the intent of the movie was, which is true of all animated works, sure. But since Disney has put us in an era where we just decide to make live-action remakes of these things anyways, we have to consider it. Um, I don't know, do you guys have any other thoughts of what a live-action version of this would be? I, again, I, I think it would lose so much of its nuance and, and just really hit its impact because... I think you it, you would be very it would be very difficult to capture not only the grandeur of the, and and the size of things but again the bizarreness the 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 feel of it all of that would would be gone if you didn't have the animation I think or most of it the the the, the thing it would the be quintessential things it would be fundamentally different yeah. for sure like the grandmother the dog the all of that you know with. Even with the the triplets. Yeah, the the stars that I'm thinking of, which is, you know, cliche of like a Tim Burton, like something that exaggerates in its own right. Yeah, but it still needs like a grounding in in these like very human emotions, this kind of connection, not wanting to, you know, lose her grandson, stuff like that. So, so. Yeah, like that, I think would be hard to capture. Musical theater, of course, like that sort of thing that's very close to animation in terms of pushing outside what is con- not considered normal, but like you can do more <laughs> in those settings in like a theater and animation. And it's harder to do that with like just a live action adaptation. Um, so, so something that allows you to push out of that, I, I think that's repeated for like most things that we ask this question for. Yeah. Like the character designs and stuff are focused on the, sh- the shapes and, and, and things that would be harder to convey. You're, you're kind of allowed to do these things in, in like kids films and stuff like that. It makes me think of, I don't know. Something like Spy Kids, where you had these weird, weird choices uh, in terms of character design. But that, yeah, how, how do you, again, reconcile it with some of this edgier parts of this film? Yeah. Yeah, it, it would it would be interesting. Let's talk some about sound design. Uh, the music of this is composed by uh, Ben Charest, and I think... He did a great job. The music is very fun. And the kind of main song that the triplets sing throughout um, is is quite catchy. And I particularly enjoyed the the credit version of it. Um, that, that one slapped a lot. 
Um, what do you guys think? I mean, it's in this film especially, sound design is so important because yes. of the lack of dialogue. The world feeling lived in in terms of the clacking of the, the dog's nails on the stairs as it goes up and down to bark at this train. Yeah. The sounds of the train. Yeah, it it, it was good. Like, being able to understand what was going on and, and get that communication with, with less dialogue than in a regular film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was successful. Yeah, and, and everything from, again, love the dog bark to the... The, the frogs to, you know, all the sound, even even the sound of the train, but also the city sounds and just all of that was just so well done. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I think one thing we didn't really talk about is some of the 3D animation that was in there in terms of like, oh, yeah, with the frog, uh, when she throws the bomb, it blows up. There's obvious like 3D with the water actually blowing up. I, th- I think with the boats in the water too, or before that, there's definitely instances of it. I think there's more instances of it than are obvious yes. too. I think there's a lot of subtle uses of it. Um, yeah, I think overall. Overall, it blends in very well. Yes, the vehicles and stuff like that. Assumedly those, well, I mean, I say assumedly, one of the articles that I read said that for those, he was computer animated because if you give a vehicle to an animator, like, they'll get mad at you. <laughs> because, because it's, you know, there's no life in it. So, so yes, the I'll just, these two articles. Pierre Floquet, what is not so French in Les Triplets de Belleville, is a, is a one about the references, and that's interesting. And uh, on Cartoon Brew, the Triplets of Belleville 15th Anniversary, Seven Insights into the Making of a Contemporary Classic by... Carlos Aguilar, also interesting. Check them out. (laughs) Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? That very first, uh, the show that the grandmother and, and, and champ, you know, were watching the grandson was, was rough because they, they just did one fat phobic joke after another, after another. It was this whole series of, these huge women that were almost larger than the cars they came out of. They it was like squeeze. clowns coming out of a tiny car. Yeah, but, but it was one really huge. fat women and their tiny, presumably husbands coming out of small cars. Yes. Yeah. And they just did that again and again until the very last one, the husband was stuck between her rear end cheeks, you know, yeah. as she went into, into the theater. And then they're in this theater and they're all in these seats. And then when with the dancer that you alluded to that was topless, uh, she looked like a woman of color. Yeah, she was Josephine Baker. Okay, yes. Yes. she's a black woman. Yes, she, it, she uh, left the U.S. and went to France. Yes. Uh, I think during the war. And she was uh, really well known for her banana dance in particular, a performance which rocketed her to stardom in the 1920s and 30s and where she... Basically just wore a skirt of bananas and danced and did a similar dance to what was depicted there, especially like that, like hands and knees crossing thing. I I saw that and what I was able to look up the video files that you can find of it. She has a bra on, but I don't think that that was always the case. Mm. Um, So it is based on an actual performance. The something about the animation and particularly the way that the guys um, react to it still is kind of uncomfortable to me. And I'd be interested yeah. in in getting a black person's perspective on that 
But yeah. it is it is based on an actual thing. Whether or not its actual rendition of it is respectful or problematic, I, it's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, because to to me, I'm glad to know that that why well, say that that at least that was that was her routine. Yeah, because um, not knowing that context, it just seemed like they exotic, you know, exotified a woman of color. I, th- and I think then a lot of her performance. Her. I think a lot of her performance does lean into that. Like I, th- I think the way that she did her performance from kind of how I understand it is that it was purposely pushing sexual boundaries and almost certainly leaning into the exoticism of how her predominantly white viewers will view it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so yeah, I mean that, I think that's part of it and it's just kind of hard to tell, I guess the intent of this movie in depicting it. Yeah. Him. Yeah, and again, not knowing that and that context, yeah. I did not know. And then also, then all of these teeny little husbands, in proportion to their wives, start you know, of course, almost like you know, they literally dog turn howling, into monkeys, and they yeah, and then they come on. Oh, I didn't. They literally yeah, turn into okay. monkeys they and then jump up and are trying to get the bananas. Yeah, and they're yeah, and they're and they're picking those off. Over that was also very disturbing because then the look on her face. Then she was. You know, she she almost looks scared, terrified, whatever, as they have surrounded her. They're grabbing all these bananas, and it's just very uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think to some degree it's supposed to be, but again, yeah. I just, it's hard to say exactly what the intent is. Yeah, and then continuing with the exaggerating of weight, the in the city of Belleville, pretty much all of the inhabitants are overweight. Yeah. Uh, there's a statue... That has like a burger, and this article says that it wasn't Hollywood; it was Holly Food. There it so is. Just, I knew it was just something different. Yeah. So just the, uh, like, your affluence, your fat Americans, fat, uh, and I say Americans because the city itself is like a, it's a it's an a New York prestige. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They literally had a Statue of Liberty that was extremely huge and and. And and fat like the women that they depicted in Sylvain Chomet is is the director and clearly um, doesn't like fat people very much and finds them funny and gross. Well, so this is saying that it, I mean, it, it, it's probably also the director, but that it's a it's filled with cliches refer, reflecting a French perspective. Mm-hmm. One such cliche is that Americans are obese. Right. So yeah, Chomet seems to have this stereotype in mind as he repeats. Uh, in Le- the triplets of Belleville, the same description of fat Americans as the caricature of tourists in Paris found in his first celebrated short La Vielle Dame et les Pigeons, uh, the old lady and the pigeons in 1998. So, right. No, yes, I have heard that Europe loves the stereotype of fat Americans. Um, it doesn't mean that the individuals who love that stereotype and perpetuate it in their works are any less bigoted for feeling that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's honestly probably the part of the movie that bothered me the most just because it was so recurring. Um, yeah. Just this kind of clear in the design hatred of fat bodies, of just them as these like gigantic ridiculous unattractive vessels and just the way that they were drawn and animated just just icky didn't like yeah it. yeah because i mean literally they were not only huge hugely disproportionate and and just fat 
you know, just round, fat faces, everything. But they were very unattractive and acted like they had almost scowls on their faces. They they acted icky. They looked icky. Yeah, there was just nothing positive about them. Yeah, I'm face wise. I there's we, a lot of ugly faces. Yeah, in that, here. I, I I don't hold that as like as right. a part of the design only for fat characters because like no offense, champion. Like even the other racers. Yeah. like the two other two racers like had a open mouth breathing. Oh, it was really gross. They oh, more lean towards, like I think, the horse visual and, mm. you know, um, metaphor yeah. uh, than Champion did. But, like, yeah, it's not like all our, our main characters are, like, these beautiful faces and then the American cities are just these ugly no, characters. No, I, I think a lot of characters have un- unattractive faces, at yeah, least in yeah. terms of... My visual aesthetic preferences, right. but it's it's the way that the bodies are yeah. drawn and animated yeah. is is this clear. It's the same intent that you see in these old Disney cartoons too. You know yeah. where you'll have the fat characters and they're there to be a joke. They're there to not be considered attractive, but to be considered these objects of ridicule and disgust. Well, also to me, again, when I said their expressions and their faces, they almost to me they're. Uh, their portrayal was like of being almost like entitled, mean, pushy, like uh, any of the interactions that would happen with people, like even in city scenes or even too with the, with the, the uh, what I'm trying to say, the, the, the boy scout that was trying to help the grandmother cross the street, but then she was surrounded by really large people, but they were just kind of like pushy and mean, you know what I mean? They, they, they weren't, they weren't trying to be careful or kind, you know, they would just almost run over people with, with their large bodies. So yeah, it was just a very negative to me, a negative portrayal. This isn't entirely for this section, but because you reminded me of it, that scene was very funny though, with how the boy scout kept trying to help the grandmother cross the street, but she she didn't want to because pretending to be blind, right? She didn't want to cross the street because she was trying to watch the mouse guy who was like having a, a shave outside, like an out- outdoor barber guy, she was watching him and waiting for the right moment to try to steal his stuff. So whenever the there was like multiple times where the lights would be, okay, it's fine to cross. And the Boy Scout kept trying to help her and she would just like hit him with her cane. Yeah. <laughs> and then when she saw the opening, even though it wasn't green to cross the street, she, she just crossed it anyways. Through. And the Boy yeah. Scout's like, oh no, it was like trying to stop the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was funny. Yeah. It was yeah, good. It was great. It was great. <laughs> Anything else with Has a Hold Up? Let's go on to our Spoiler alert. Skip to. 59 minutes and 43 seconds. This is actually where I have the most notes. Um, <laughs> loved the amalgamation of the triplets, uh, Grandma and Bruno. Um, they they basically formed the sort of uh, square bodyguard, blob yeah. that the bodyguards and the mafia <laughs> bosses did. <laughs> Um, with two two of the triplets, uh, Bruno as the where the mafia boss would be, and then the in the back was the other triplet and Grandma's faces, <laughs> um, and then they're just like taking guys out by hitting them over the head with pans. Uh, yeah, like um, like like cast iron or fried. Yeah, pans. they're like on a stealth mission through here. And they're just taking out people one by one. 
then they they get in there and and we find out that the grandmother is going to pretend to be the the little mouse guy so she can get in there and sabotage the thing that her son is on um and yeah just stuff stuff goes haywire um i i love that we get the um one of the sisters using the bombs to blow up the frogs comes back because she has one of the bombs on her and she throws it into the crowd of all the mafia leaders who have like guns pulled and stuff. And I love that all their bodyguards immediately abandon them. Yeah. (laughs) They're just like, Oh no, I don't want to get blown up. Bye. (laughs) Um, then the, we have the the car chase because the grandma loosens stuff enough that them on their bicycles actually starts moving the the thing that they're on. Yeah. And so then that becomes all the, a vehicle. All the mafia um, bodyguard dudes pile into cars and there's a, as Valerie put it, mid-speed chase. It's not <laughs> quite a high-speed chase. And overall, I wouldn't call it a slow chase. Mid-speed chase. Yeah. <laughs> As they're going after these cyclists, one of the triplets uh, takes up the other bicycle um, since one of those guys got killed. Um, and they're just a long scene of, of this chase and the different mafia guys' cars getting waylaid or knocked aside or blown up for through different often wacky uh, methods. My my favorite one was when they're going up the hill and they the the cars the mafia guys are in has like a cabin thing and then a really long like front nose engine part. And and so as they're going up this hill, it's since the cabin part is where the guys are, one of the big guys is out of there, so it's really heavy in the back, and it just starts tipping backwards, and then it just rolls down the hill, but not the way that it would roll down the hill, it rolls down the hill, just flipping long ways over and over and smashing. And it's so, it was so funny to me. I loved that so much. Yeah. So these are not very well uh, balanced or proportioned no. vehicles because then even as it almost looks like, sorry, the, the, where the cyclists are on in the stage and then the big screen in front. It's almost like a sailboat, you know, like with the sail in front. Sure. Is almost kind of what the visual you get. And then these vehicles, again, are super long noses and front parts. Um, and so even turning is is a problem for them. So you see one of the, the triplets as the cyclist and, and their stage vehicle uh goes around a corner one of the one of the the triplets will grab the pole like the light pole and you know hold on to it to spin them around yes yeah, so but they then do sharp turns yeah to do sharp turns but then some of the mafia vehicles don't make the turns because it's such a sharp turn and their vehicles are so weird in proportion they also show the the there's not like a lot of uh, gore, you know, as far as blood or anything, but they do show, like with all of the mafia ones, when they spin out or do something, then they'll show the top half of the body just like laying, like you know, <laughs> <laughs> laying out and stuff. So. They're get they're getting wrecked. Yeah, I think I think my favorite, one of my favorite ones at least was uh, as they're going. I believe it's down a hill. There's a woman with a baby in a carriage. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yeah, and one almost clips the baby. And she'll and, give, like, these really, like, angry looks. And then one, like, crashes into uh, the carriage. The carriage is fine. The baby is fine. Yeah. The front of the other car is all crumpled. Yeah. It's like, it's like why, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, very, it's 
very funny. It, it was kind of a long chase. Oh, the, also, the thing I also liked about it was like usually for those chases, you expect to hear a lot of like ba 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 ba, like a like guns shooting very quickly. No, this was kind of like ba. But just, yeah. like, I don't know, again, just... Some mid-speed chase. Emphasizing the kind of slowness of this whole interaction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the the final showdown is the main mafia boss and his two guys in their car, which has been partially wrecked already by a semi, but is still functional, and char- charging them down. And the grandma gets off the thing and faces them one-on-one, and she uses her long boot to... She dodges to the side, puts her boot out, and trips their car, and it just spins off the bridge and falls into the like smokestack of a of a ship and explodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and 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 it and it's her big thick shoe, almost like clog shoe that right. of her little leg that's shorter than the other that she uses. Yeah. So I love how, you know, things that you think, okay, that's not gonna stop a moving vehicle, <laughs> but can just wreck these it's vehicles. It's just full on cartoon logic and this final Love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Does anyone want to mention the sad end part? I know no. the sad ending goes back to the goes back to the beginning where uh, this the, there's a show on uh, just like when the opening and the grandmother and the well, grandson are watching a show. It's the end of of it, yeah. So like as the they cycle or the the machine that the cyclists are on continue past the bridge, seemingly past where like the triplets would live. It's going down into the country road. So it's like, oh, are they going back home? Uh, but it zooms back from that and it puts the the grain of like a TV screen of a show. So like the ending of that film is now on a show. Yeah. And then the grandson says, we've gotten to the end, grandmother, because she at asked the at the, the very movie. beginning, she had asked. Did he yeah. say, is it the end, or did she say? She she would say. She's like, would you like to tell your grandmother it's the end or something Yeah, like something oh, like yes. that. Oh, yes. Yes. And she then at say. the end, he's clearly a lot older, and she's not there anymore, but he looks to the side where she would be and says, it's over, grandmother. And you don't see Bruno or the grandmother. <laughs> and then the credits play, and there's some good music in there, and then the uh, the... Very end of the movie stinger is oh, the yes. guy the guy who she paid just a little bit of money to rent the thing for twenty minutes is still on the, the shore boat. like looking at his watch, just wondering where she is. <laughs> That's the end. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to bring up that in that uh that boat guy had like a ton of pictures of dudes all up in his uh his market. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, good for you. It's like, good for you, man. <laughs> Happy for you. Uh anything else with spoilers? No more spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the film? If it's in spoilers, be vague. Yeah, I mean, it's the beginning stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. so. As much as I, like, love a throwback to retro animation, it's just it's just kind of uncomfortable. I, yeah. I think if I were going to choose knowing that... Mm, yeah, it's hard to decide between, like, what happens after Josephine Baker's dance... Or the intro with the the wives, yeah, like flinging the husbands around, come, getting out of the cars. Yeah, one of those. I think that yeah, that I'm just gonna that say that whole me. scene. Yeah, is the, just, yeah, that whole. I understand the setup just to know who the triplets are, but it's it's most of it's just very uncomfortable. What was your favorite scene in the movie? 
Um, I will be vague. It's basically the ending. <laughs> the 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 climactic end stuff. I love that stuff. Very fun. Just a fun sequence. Highlight of the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah, like it was all delightful. Kind of building up to all the pieces that you've seen. So yeah, I'll say the end too. Gosh, it's so hard. There's so many moments that I just really, really loved. Um, I, I'm i going to almost have to say the very, the, the beginning setup where the grandmother was trying to figure out the things the grandson liked. Yeah. I just, oh, that yeah. just, that just meant so much. And, and the interaction with Bruno and you get to know his little, his little poor little tail getting run over by the toy train. And that just whole little setup with the grandma just kind of sitting back and watching just really endeared me to that little family. Oh, no, now that you mentioned that, uh, kind of following on that, a really good scene was like kind of after this time skip, you see her training the son, like riding the tricycle that she gave him while he's on a, a bigger like cycle, whistling, and then they get home from training and he just like plops on the table and she massages his legs with different contraptions <laughs> uh, including a vacuum cleaner yeah yeah <laughs> just everything. like fully devoted yeah fixing the the uh spokes or whatever for the the wheel like tinging on a uh, a tuning fork and like bending things and like it starts spinning that was really good too Definitely. Yeah. Because she was really good with, with little mechanics and all that. Oh, yeah. Because in that as well, like, he's training, so he has to only have some amount of food. You see him on a seat that is a scale. And once he hits a certain part of the scale, he stops eating, gives the rest to Bruno. Uh, but it's, like, a very regimented training thing. Yeah. it. I, I, yeah, I assume that she built that for him. So, yeah. All of that was very good. Who was your least favorite character in the movie? I guess the mob guy? I, don't I guess know. so. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Just for like being terrible to the. To yeah. The... Yeah. Yeah. Who I'm was your favorite character? It's the grandma. Of it course. has to be the grandma. It does pretty much have to be the grandma, though I do need to shout out Bruno. I know. That's Bruno. Fair. I love Bruno. you so much, I know. Bruno, Bruno. But I do have to go with the grandmother. Bruno's yeah. very good. Bruno, yeah. Um, there's virtually no dialogue in this movie. I'm not going to ask the Tim Curry question. Yeah, yeah, he would Tim Curry one. Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. <sighs> Enjoyable. Yeah, this was an entertaining film. Yeah, I guess it's hard to rate it. Like we kind of said before, if you're into animation, this is a uh, a really interesting film to watch to see kind of not what you'd expect from your standard Western film. Uh, it's hard to recommend to somebody, uh, a, a casual film viewer, I guess. So I guess recommendation with caveats or whatever. Score wise, I'll go with a 3.25. Some of the, Choices in the beginning were kind of rough, so there's there's a a a undercurrent or just a ever presence of the that kind of that fat phobic stereotype, American stereotype from you know French perspective, that you know can put you off, especially in the beginning, and it's just kind of there. Uh, but 
the characters here, like Grandma especially, the triplets, Bruno, are all very good, very endearing. It's, it's just an interesting little film. Yeah, I think I'm going to go a 3.5. I think it would have been 3.75 if it wasn't, especially for all the fat phobic and some of the problematic elements. But I'm going to go 3.5 because I just think what they did with animation and the integration of animation with 3D animation or 2D with 3D. Um, and, and it was just really amazing what they did, even though, again, the characters were not attractive to look at, except Grandma was adorable. Anyway, just very interesting with that. And then along with that, I am going to say that I think it's worth a watch because it's so different than probably anything you've ever seen. At least one watch. And and for nothing else, it, it has the heart with the grandma and Bruno and that little family. So, yeah. Yes, I think I will also do 3.5. It's the sort of movie that, like, part of me wants to give a four, but I just can't. I think it's artistically important and relevant. And if you're any sort of animation fan, you owe it to yourself to watch it. But me personally, uh, the the fat phobic stuff is really hard to deal with. The really iffy race stuff um, in the beginning, and and just the the caricature kind of style is is can be hard for me to digest. But there's a lot of really good stuff in it, and I'm very glad I did watch it. So yeah, I recommend it. Three point five. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. And I would love for you to join me on Tuesdays on Twitch at 7 p.m. CST or CDT, depending on the time of year, playing Witcher 3. And um, my awesome daughter and daughter-in-law here are often in the, I mean, are there with me in the chat. Uh, We have a very friendly chat. We're very welcoming. So yeah, I would love for you to join me. And it's Nana Critter, N-A-N-C-R-I-T-T-E-R. N-A-N-A. Did I say, did I, I'm so sorry, N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R, Nana Critter. And next time, we will be starting our Halloween Spookaboo. And we're going to get it, we're going to get it started with some Winnie the Pooh and Heffalump stories. So join us then. Bye. Bye. Love y'all. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. That's what all my friends say about me.